on tonight's episode, Tigers try their hardest. The dog's depth tested again. Pick yourself up, Gorn. All that and more on The Late Change. Welcome to the Late Change, the AFL podcast all set with round 23 fixtures. Joining me tonight are Ryan and Mikey and your occasional host, Kyle, because I don't always sit in the big boys chair, but tonight I am. But when you do, it's pretty special. I feel like it's pretty special. I'm still still feeling a bit nasally. I'm going to blame any mispronunciations on that. No more dropping of curse words, please, that I have to beep baby, out. Baby, 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 oh. We might get sued for that. I actually don't know how much <laughs> commercial <laughs> material you're allowed to slice into I something. I think you get away with that. Yeah, I mean, you're not okay. stealing it and claiming it as your own. You're... Yeah, but I did actually record that myself. That's my song. So. <laughs> um, that was perfect. I loved it. It was everything I asked for and more. Yeah. In fact, it's kind of inspired me to swear more. You're not getting another Can one. Can we? No. Yeah, well, you can if you want to, but I'm not going to edit any more out, so we're just going to go with an explicit tag. I should say, I should have started the podcast with the um, podcast edit free since last week. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Not very long. Uh, Did you end up coming out of that middle part? um, Yep. Okay, good. Are you going to cut out this pre-talk that we're doing now for all the listeners? Nope. Wow, we got off topic last week. You should have heard it, Uh, but you never will. So, looking at uh, the week that was in football, did you boys manage to catch much over the weekend? I watched a couple of games. I watched the... Uh, tuned in for a little bit of the um, Kangas game and caught the West Coast game and uh, a little bit of the Frio game. Yeah, my old man came over on Friday night. He's a Collingwood supporter. And obviously, we've been talking up Collingwood, the chances against Kangaroos and hoping that the Port, the Port Kangaroos dream could come true. Of course, both results went the opposite way. Yeah. So he left at quarter time. So that's a thing. <laughs> Don't blame him. Man, they got thumped out of the gates. Yeah. I mean, they played well after that, but what do you do when you concede that many goals in the first quarter? What do you do when Lindsay Thomas kicks five goals against you? Yeah. That's a bad day. Bad day. That happens. Bad day at the office. Six goal, five first quarter is huge. Mm, yeah, it definitely yeah. is. I mean, that's a, a lot of teams um, this year have had that problem, starting slow. Um, getting themselves down big and uh, it's hard once you're down five goals you know at quarter time it's it's a long way back some teams can do it but yeah tough. well actually that happened a few times on the weekend so uh, Sydney had to do that against Carlton yeah they did yeah. Carlton got the jump on Sydney and they had to, had to do the fight back and uh, the Giants as well away from home yeah and the, the other game that upset our little port jumping into the eight theory it's still mathematically possible but now becomes very difficult. Mm. Um, in fact, the Saints have just as much a chance now as Port and the Adelaide. Sa- the Saints play. A better, better chance. Um, but yeah, so Port Adelaide came out came out strong at home and I didn't watch the game, but I did listen to some of it on the radio, um, particularly in the second half. And from what I could hear from the commentators and the vibe of the game, it certainly sounds like uh, it wasn't so much that Port Adelaide didn't turn up in the second half, but that the Giants that we saw more consistently in the first half of the season turned up 
Yeah. They've been missing for a couple of weeks. We've all said they've been a little bit down on form. Since the bye, really. They've, so, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And So maybe it took them two and a half games to warm up. We don't know what it was. But whatever they did, they came out at halftime and they showed up and they they did really made easy work of it in what was what was looking to be a low-scoring game. They end up, you know, posting up 80 points or 79 points. So uh, phenomenal third quarter for them. Yeah, big turnaround in the third quarter. Massive. Yeah. In front of the old uh, hostile crowd at the new Adelaide Oval. Yeah, they're very hostile at the new Adelaide Oval. I didn't manage to catch any other games on Sunday, but I watched a heap of games on the Saturday. Uh, in particular, I wanted to, to talk to you both um, and maybe level the level the card about a game that I hold very dear to my heart, and that's, <laughs> that is the, the Cats and Adelaide game. Right, <laughs> I thought you were going in a different direction with that. No, which which was an absolute phenomenal game, and certainly the first quarter felt like finals football. Really good pressure from both sides. Really good contest in the middle. Unfortunately, it, it sort of slowly got away from Adelaide. I, I, it, there, I, there were some certainly some periods where where Geelong kicked away. If I remember, the third quarter was pretty big for Geelong. Um, yeah, looking I, at the the worm quickly, but it just, twenty odd points. It felt like a it felt like a even in even looking at that, but looking back at that now, it felt like a slow death. Like they they really fought hard, they fought hard the entire game, but the you know um, uh, cats were just able to make that that gap bigger and bigger and bigger and comfortably win in the end. Yeah, from the second half, it was pretty much one sided, really, wasn't what it? What do you take from this game? What do you take from the season for Geelong? They're I, so hot and cold, aren't they? I I. I'd stay. I stand by it. They're hot and cold. They've got the potential to to win a flag. Like I think they've got the potential to beat Hawthorne on their best day, but they don't come out and play their best day consistently because I think there are too many new elements in the team. But when you watch, this was an example of a game where you watch Dangerfield and Selwood hook up like they've been playing with each other for a hundred plus games, and it is beautiful to watch. They're both phenomenal users of the ball. Dangerfield had an absolute day out again and I think went head to head with Sloan for a while and Sloan's a good player but um, Dangerfield made him piss yeah I, I just don't know with Geelong it's the consistency thing I don't know that they can string three four games together through the finals to take away also if you take four goal the four goals at Hawkins kick which doesn't happen very often you take the four goals out of the game all of a sudden it's a six point ball game how often is he going to kick four goals? How, how he hasn't been cooking scores at all. Yeah, true. So, true. and I mean, you've only got Eddie Betts scoring one goal. He's mm. good for a couple of game. Has been for most of his career. So, so I, down I, a little bit as well. Although they won at home, and they definitely, you know, that, I think the third quarter was probably the telling quarter. It was otherwise a very close game, um, and you would like to think that a, that game again in the finals would be be more competitive and probably realistically played at the G or, or Eddie had. Well, actually, I mean, or Ad- in Adelaide, Adelaide depending on the yeah, results. Like Adelaide still have the potential to finish higher on the ladder. Um, you would think I would, I would probably go with um, Adelaide if it was played at home. They're both in got, a final, yeah, I think so for final, sure as yeah. well. Yeah, they've that both would, got yeah. runs home where they should win five games each. They should both win their next five. So percentage is going to be very important for them in terms of who can finish second, potentially um, third or fourth. Yeah, interesting. Um, yeah, a lot of the a lot of the teams have easy runs home. A lot of them don't. Um, teams like I think West, West Coast and Kangaroos both have pretty rough runs home. The Kangaroos play basically the, the top four in the and last the, four rounds, and the Bulldogs with their with their injury list certainly to me looks like the Bulldogs, West Coast, and Kangaroos will fill up the bottom of the eight. But the who who actually makes the top four I think is still up for grabs. 
Um, yeah, totally. Mm. Yeah, we were dead wrong a few weeks ago, I think, when we thought that it was pretty much cemented because since then it's changed, what, three or four times? It changes throughout the weekend even. Yeah, and uh, so we've got teams from second from second to seventh are all on the same points and separated by percentage. Yeah, it's good. And within that, there are some very small percentage differences. So uh, I think if you take from fifth upwards, so Eagles have got 132, 133, 134, 136. It's nothing. It can turn around Absolutely in a single nothing. game. It can yeah. definitely turn around in a single game. you only got to lose by a couple of goals or another team wins by a couple of goals, and that'll be reversed. Well, yeah, Adelaide went from second down to six, didn't they? Yeah, so Bulldogs... Like are the Geelong s- did. Same, yeah. same thing. Yep. Adelaide are a little bit behind on 128. That does put them nearly 10, 10% behind GWS, which makes it tough for them to jump GWS on percentage at the very least. And Bulldogs are down on 119%, which is far too low, you would think, for a top four finish. And also given their injury run of late, going to be an uphill battle for them. It's crazy that we might see the top four... Even top two decided by percentage. Look like up to second place, really. Yep. It's crazy. You yeah. don't we haven't seen that for years. Or really ever. I can't even think of a, yeah. a year when it's been this close towards the end of the season. I'm sure it'll start to spread out. Yeah, a no, bit. there are some there are some stats about this being the closest it ever has been. And a lot of the theories uh, are around what we've discussed before, which is the wins that uh, Fremantle and Essendon have essentially taken out of the contest or or essentially overloading the top eight. Um. Th- yeah. Uh, also, the first time I think the earliest in history the top eight was set. It's been set since round six. What do you mean set? So these teams were in the top eight in round six, and they've been there for the last twelve. Oh, weeks. right. Just their position within the eight yep. has changed. So yeah. that's the first. That's the earliest that the top eight has been set, and it looks unlikely to change. Uh, St Kilda are a mathematical possibility. So are Port Adelaide. Will St Kilda play the Kangaroos this weekend? Yeah, which will only put them one game behind if they yeah, win. Yeah, if they win, exactly. They've got a big percentage hill to climb. So again, they would need to, in theory, not catch them, but jump them in wins. Yeah. Which is three wins over five games. Yeah. Which will be tough for them. Is that a success from the AFL? Everyone's talking about how close it is this year, but you've pretty much got eight standout teams, really, um, as you mentioned, that have really set it since round six. Is that really what the AFL would want? Uh, I think that you look at, like, for my mind, Saint support. Saints, Port and Melbourne are still competitive sides and capable of taking wins off the top teams. And I think they're playing quite good football at the moment. Collingwood, a little hit and miss. They were going hot there for a while and they seem to have didn't put up much of a performance this week. It'd be interesting to see how they perform against the Eagles who you'd think they would have a, a much better run against at the MCG. And then what Carlton, again, have had periods of brilliance really dropped off a little bit. And then you got the big drop-off, which were the, the teams that are carrying the injury burden um, into the bottom four. But I don't know that it's I don't know that it's standout. Yeah, I guess. Do you want the competition to be that the competition is for who gets six, seven, eight, rather than who gets two, three, four? What's more exciting? I think I think you want a bit more depth. I think you want. Yeah. I think you want at least down to tenth. Yeah. You want to see teams going in and out of the eight. I think it's nice that the top eight is uh, really competitive. That that is perfect. So you don't want the top eight to just stagnate throughout the year. You want teams moving it around. But I think you definitely want those ninth and tenth teams to be really pushing in and out of the top eight so that the run home is really exciting for the teams um, that are just on that that fringe. Um, as well as if the AFL bring in the, um, the rule changes they were talking about with the round-robin type um, wildcard positions in so that the... Uh, 7th, 8th, ninth, and 10th I think would play off for a, the, the 
two remaining finals, that I think would help. Um, but yeah, I definitely think you want a little bit more depth in competition because realistically, we're talking St Kilda being the most likely but still pretty unlikely to push into the eight now with five or six games to go. Yeah, but they're going to play a buy, a buy round between the regular season and the the finals. Um, what the NFL does uh, to contrast is have a wild card game. So essentially you have an extra round of finals, so to speak. Uh, so you you know seventh would play tenth, eighth would play ninth, seventh and eighth get the home game, but they have to win those to go through and play finals. So you give the depth, the competition depth. You still have a top eight, the top eight play finals, and you have the home ground advantage for seven and eight. But you add in the extra, and I think maybe that works when the league expands again. I don't know about now. For my mind, I think you secure that top eight position. You you know you d- you deserve to play finals, but definitely. I think it's the same with the argument we had last week about Thursday night football. Anything that gives me more football, I'm going to be for. Shy of the, uh, obviously, the arguments about causing too much injuries to players, which is why we've had these the, the buy rounds and the, the buy round before finals as well. Hmm. All right, well, moving on to uh, a couple of news items that have cropped up uh, during the week. Uh, first thing I wanted to mention was the round 23 fixtures have been released finally, starting with an absolutely blockbuster a game at the new Adelaide Oval on Friday night between Adelaide and West Coast. That'd be a big game. It will be. That looks very likely to be shaping up um, for a must-win game for both clubs that would be on the brink of top four. Yep, absolutely. Even if even if Adelaide are a couple of games ahead of West Coast at that point in time, it might be the difference for both teams between a home final and not. They're sitting third and seventh, for instance. They both are going to want to win that game for the home final. So it's going to be a crucial game. And really looking at the rest of the round, it's probably the most exciting game. Uh, on the Saturday, um, starting from morning till afternoon, we have Geelong versus Melbourne, Essendon v Carlton, Sydney v Richmond, North Melbourne v Giants, and Gold Coast v Port Adelaide. And then on the Sunday, St Kilda versus Brisbane, Hawthorne v Collingwood, and Fremantle v Bulldogs. Yeah, so the only other one I think that uh, is really going to have any finals impact in there is GWS and North. Yep, and that's um, being played at Etihad. Yeah, so both of those those two games, I think, will shake out the final top four positions. That might be the game that North Melbourne need to clinch to remain in the top eight, possibly, which would be really good. I hope that's the case because it make it exciting. Again, keeping the, not conspiracy theory, but keeping the dream alive uh, theory, St Kilda v Brisbane Lions, would stand up as a game where if Saints win by 100 points, they may be able to squeak over North Melbourne. Um, has the possibility to be exciting? Yeah, well, thinking that North Melbourne are probably... Uh, if they lose this week to St Kilda, so only they're going to lose four more after was, yeah. that, possibly. It was only Collingwood and St Kilda I gave them a chance at beating. And yeah. not, I think they've got a very they've got Hawks, Bulldogs, and... Well, Bulldogs would be different now. And GWS for their own. Yeah, run. still, I think... Yeah. Mm. Yeah, so, and then, um, and I think usually they reserve the rostering of these games to look at rests as well and, and care of the ovals. It doesn't really sort of jive with me when I look at this. I think we've given the AFL a lot of praise for their fixturing over the year. There's been a lot of sort of consistently one or two really good games every weekend. This shapes up to me as like a warm-up round for the finals. Mm, yeah. Um. Relatively spread out, a couple of games at the G. You know, there's a week off anyway, so Hawthorne 
you know, they get two days less than Adelaide and West Coast, but but over two weeks. So it's kind of yeah, irrelevant. Pretty negligible yeah. at that point. The other big game, of course, um, not nationally, but in WA at least, will be uh, the Fremantle game for Pav's retirement. Yeah, and that was my second item of news. So Pav, they might rest him. No, they so may do been, tanking. No, they they're resting him, going <laughs> for the tank, the draft picks. So there was a press conference this morning, um, Tuesday, twenty sixth of July. Uh, he's confirmed that that round twenty three game at home will be his final game, his retirement game. This is what I love. For me, this is this is how players should go out. So I didn't like the Nathan Buckley esque played in a home final and then that was it you know like didn't no one knew it was his last game at the time um obviously there were a lot of there were 100,000 Collingwood fans there watching him but still I think the spectacle of of letting the fans that have supported you through so much and and had you be you know a pillar of hope for them to be able to send you off and it's not it's not arrogant to plan a retirement game for my mind I think it's I think it's the due service the fans deserve I'd rather do it Nathan Buckley style and just not say anything and under the radar and away you go. I'm with you, Kyle. I think I'm 100% for uh, announcing it's going to be your last game, uh, letting, like you said, letting the fans celebrate you um, and oh, particularly in Pavlich's ca- uh, case for what he has done for the Fremantle Football Club, I think um, the fans deserve, well, he deserves the opportunity for the fans to... Um, to get out and support him in his final game, I'm sure it'll sell out. No yeah, he's doubt, a one, he's a one club hero. He's no one's going to break his game record or free man or probably ever. No, probably not. Um, he will get a lap around the oval on grand final day. That's if they don't make finals and make the grand final, of course. Yeah, of course. Um, but which they I mean, mathematically can't make now, so that's fine. That's a um, that's a good enough send off, isn't it? <laughs> they mathematically no, couldn't it make it a long time ago. Yeah, I don't think I don't think it is. I think. Um, a lap at the grand final isn't enough for a player in like that. In the back Pat. of a Toyota on a deck chair. Nah, no, you got to... Really waving to the crowd. No, he wants that, as, wants that as well. You got to have, I think, your home crowd send off. I think it's it's fair for the fans I to so. let them... Uh, From have, a fan point of view. Yeah, for sure. I know as a player, he maybe is thinking, you know, I, I don't want all the fuss. I want to just sort of go into the night and be the end of it and he Pav probably doesn't care much about it. he's never really been a player that's been much about the spotlight and spectacle but I think it's good for the club and it's good for the fans to be able to have that last game particularly in this season of all seasons for Fremantle where do you um, yeah where do you see his career going well he could easily go into the media I think if he wanted to but so I'll, I'll say this he commentated a a West Coast game maybe two years ago where he had a period of injury he was out for eight weeks or something can he yeah, on Fox Footy commentating a West Coast game. Um, and by gosh, it was awesome. <laughs> it yeah, really was. great, yeah. And this is, this is you know, cross-town rivals. But there was no there was no hint of that. I think it might have even been a Collingwood, um, Collingwood West Coast game at the G. It was phenomenally commentated. He was... Um, mm, wow, that's good. And he's a very, has, a, has, a, has a good brain on him. He's a good talker. Um, I really, really was blown away. So I, that sticks in my mind. Um, and he's the sort of player, if you look at the guys that have transitioned into media, I think he fits well alongside. Yeah, definitely. I, I think it would just be a case of whether or not uh, he wanted to do that. I don't think there would be anything stopping him. I'm sure that they'd be happy to have him on board. Well, Dennis is moving out. He might just Dennis slot is straight, out, straight in straight next in. to Bruce. <laughs> yeah, why not? My uncle's always told me that Pavlich was going to be the next mayor of Fremantle once he retired. So there's an, there's also a, possible. There's another thing that he could do. He could be both. A, mayor, a, mayor of someone like that could literally run for mayor and he would win in a landslide. Yeah, yeah he, he, should, he should run for prime minister. <laughs> yeah. Have for PM. 
Uh, he well, would he'd get, he'd get forty thousand votes. Yeah. <laughs> sure would. <laughs> he'd just be three million shy. Yeah, it's yeah. not that much. It's all right. Yeah, you, you know there are other sports played in Australia, right? Nah. <laughs> what? Uh, which ones are those? Cricket. Oh uh, yeah, in the <laughs> well, summer. You're right. In yeah, the summer. Yeah. Then, sorry. Good save. Uh, um, the good, a Good Friday game has been confirmed for 2017. I say confirmed. It's all but confirmed for 2017. It's been given the go-ahead. It's been given the green light. Four o'clock start, which is 2 p.m. over here in WA. Finally. Awesome. I mean, Friday. Finally, we're getting it. Friday afternoon game on a public holiday. What does religion wow, have to do with football where they can't play uh, football on Good Friday? Nothing. Never, Nothing to do with it. Never has. Um, it never has. There we go. There never has been the reason it wasn't wasn't played. I think it's the same reason the Boxing Day test isn't played on Christmas Day. It's really about crowds. So it's always been about crowds and how many people click on the TV because viewers, viewers equals money from advertising. So um, true. I think they've I think they've argued and studied it and looked at it enough and realised that's actually what people want. Again, I'm going to use the NFL as another example. They play a game on Christmas Day. They play same a game the on thanks, they play a game on Thanksgiving. The NBA schedules about four games on Christmas Day. It's actually a marquee hmm, uh, event for them in the year. So families, families, you know, they have their Christmas lunch, they have their Thanksgiving lunch, and then they sit down and watch the game. Like it's a, it's a thing to get behind. It's a thing to do. We they do should it. start another rivalry similar to Anzac Day, where they just choose the exact same teams every year um, to play. They should pick a couple well, of that, rippers. That's what they're, and that's it. Leave it at that. And yeah, yeah, I think they're planning on doing that. The the rooms are. Wait, what did I say? Saint Kilda, Saints and Bulldogs. Bulldogs. Yeah, yeah, that'd be good. Which, yeah, could be two young sides, two you developing sides. So it's good time. It's a good time to pick them. Yeah, over the next few years, you'd think that both those clubs would be on the way up and yeah. would be competitive. So I mean, yeah, you got to pick a couple of teams now that you think over the next because they'll lock it in for you know five years. It'll be a, a contract type scenario. Yeah. Um. So you got to think about a couple of clubs that are going to be strong rivals over that period of time, and those two seem pretty good to me. I'm looking forward to it. Can't wait. Something else to do other than waiting for the Easter Bunny. It's great. This is just such an obvious thing for the AFL to do. It has been for so long. So look, I'm a fan of I'm a fan of as much football as possible. We get we get a game on that Thursday anyway. So now we get another another four day four day weekend of footy. Bring it on. And Monday. And Monday. Five day. Oh, Five day. Get in my belly. Oh wow. <laughs> Gonna have football poisoning. <laughs> um, Might get a sick note on Tuesday. On a more sombre note, um, Bulldogs have been smashed by injury again. Um, they lost a couple on the weekend. Uh, they lost Redpath, who has been playing really well for them as a sort of up-and-coming young yeah, key big forward. Um, massive unit. He's keeping uh, Tom Boyd out of the side. Mm, essentially. That and Tom Boyd's terrible behaviour. Yeah. <laughs> but, I yeah, mean, that'll, the, that'll do it. That, but the form the form of Redpath definitely... And he's about twice the size. Contributes of, to it. Twice the size of Boyd. But um, more shockingly was the injury to Wallace, to Wallace's leg. So uh, no malice and, and no punishment to the other players involved. But in a in a fair 50-50 tackle, Wallace actually tripped on his own leg. Yeah. And done a done a horrific job of snapping both his tibia, tibia and fibula. Yeah. Um, he's had that surgery. Looks to be about nine, which was a success. Looks to be about a nine to 12 month recovery until he hits the track again. But realistically, you're not talking nine to twelve months. You're talking twenty-four months. You are. Couple minimum. Of years. You're yeah. talking twenty eighteen until yeah. he plays a game. Well, I'm not even talking playing. I'm talking until he's back. 
Look at how long it took. Barlow. Barlow. Yeah, it's devastating. It took him at least two years. It, realistically, probably 18 months of playing football before he was back to even close to where he was before and the leg. Nathan Brown. Ne- was never really... back. Oh, he, yeah. It was... If he you was, call it that. Yeah, he was never the same after he did his... Nah, no way. Did his leg. I think... The other thing, of course, is the mental hurdle to to get back. Um, but you, I think you could see Nathan Brown change the way he played the game a little bit after that. So I can actually speak from experience in that, and it does yeah. it does take time. Uh, you definitely change the way you play. It does get better with time. I think you know you you apply yourself, and you just have to relearn. So I think they can get over it. What Wallace has in his favor over someone like Brown is youth. He's younger, um, and that's that's worked well for Barlow. I see Barlow as a, still the tough in and under player now. Yeah, Barlow uh, plays very much the same style. He hasn't changed at all. Um, and I would argue that he did, but he certainly regained what he had. Oh, he did. Yeah, yeah, for sure. He had. Uh, he was carrying pain for a long time as well in the break. Even he played through games, and you know, still eighteen months after the the break and recovery and. All of that, and he'd come off still. You just, you just wouldn't, sore. you just wouldn't write this story for the Bulldogs. Like you'd have to be one sadistic character to, to go, and then the next player they're going to lose is going to break a leg. Like it's just been awful for a couple them. of ACLs in the year and leg. Yeah, it's key players unreal. too. How did, did you see the footage? I did. Yes. The, oh, how did he? I don't even understand. Like, I, it's so weird. It would be at the, it. it would be this. It's a speed and angle that yeah, no that doubt. done it. Yeah. Did you he, see he was moment? moving. And it just goes all oh, I went all wobbly and it's just moving around. Oh. Once did you see the snap, footage, yeah. Mike? Yeah, you no. saw it? yeah. Oh yeah. Just clip like he's just going to kick the ball, and he had his leg that was kicking the ball clipped, and it just hits the back of his other leg and gone. Jakey Stringer did the exact same thing. Yeah, yeah. So at least he's got someone with experience around him to help him back through the the recovery of it, which is good. So you have got Redpath and uh, Wallace who'll go out of the team this week, but then you've also got Stringer and Dalhas that will. Come, come back, back in. in. So yeah, and we talked probably actually a couple of better players that will come back into the team. So would have been better obviously to have them all there. But yeah, you want the depth, but at least it's still it's got nice a to get of, some ins. Yeah, a couple of good uh, players coming in. And it's been one of the things that we've said about the dogs all season. Is they really this is a season testing their depth since they lost their their captain at the start of the season. It was always going to be the story of 2016 for them. Do they have the depth to win a premiership? I guess we'll see. We've got they've got five weeks to show if they can continue to fight through this. I don't know that they would win the premiership even full strength this year necessarily. Um, certainly, they'd have a better chance, obviously, uh, but it would still be a big question mark. So, I think it, it probably maybe writes them off this year at a premiership. Um, Is the competition more interesting if we ignore the because f- we haven't we've only ever talked about two through eight and we keep ignoring the fact that there is a team who are unlikely not to win the minor premiership this year. Do, do, does anybody give them a red-hot crack in September? Does anyone hold a torch to Hawthorne? Yeah, I think... Um, As each week goes by, I'm no. liking, I'm, no, I'm liking <laughs> Hawthorne more and more. Yeah, it looks this scary. Is, yeah, I know. This is exactly what they did last year. This is the same thing. But remember what happened. They come over to the West and got... Smacked by West Coast. They might not even see West Coast in the finals. Yeah, I know. I'm not. Well, certainly this year, I wouldn't think that the result would be what it was last year. But what I mean to say is that even last year, they looked this good towards the end of the year, and they were blown away in in a final. So it could happen. They could maybe they have to. Um, well, unlikely that they'll have to play Sydney or anything, but in in Sydney. But um, you know, they might 
let their guard down a little bit, but I can't see them really losing two in a row and getting knocked out. Because any, any of the teams underneath them could beat any of the other teams on their day. I mean, I'd even give Eagles and North a chance at beating any of the teams in the top seven finest Hawthorne in their day. Yeah, for sure. Um, but Hawthorne adds just another factor to the to the finals campaigns. The thing that uh, Hawthorne have going for them as well, ignoring what I just said about the blowout when they came over West, is they're such a good finals team. They really are. They know how to prepare for the finals. They know how to get up for the finals, and they know how to play. In still finals. played good. That still played good in that first game against West Coast. West Coast just played better. Yeah, and then Hawthorne went on to play their. Th- three best games of probably the last three years to yeah, literally exactly. walk through the competition. Like there was there was no arguing that they were going to win on grand final day. They, they had it easy. After seeing how they just dismantled um, Fremantle the week before, mm. where it was... It, Clinical. It, it was like you were watching two teams that were in a different league from one another. I agree with that. Which was unbelievable given Fremantle won the minor premiership. Look, I, feel the, I feel the same this year. I feel like Hawthorne's a team that's been relegated. They're the team that's down from the from the Premier League yeah. just playing playing with the plebs. But I hope I hope that um for the compos- competition's uh, sake we do see some challenges emerge and maybe them someone, shake a little bit. Someone do a LeBron James. Yeah. Can well, Lance Franklin buddy, do a, can maybe. Lance Franklin do yeah. a LeBron James? I, I think that's what it is going to take to knock off Hawthorne, I think is it's going to take a superstar player. Wow, we that would be maybe a Paddy Dangerfield um, that just goes nuts, and I think that's what it takes to beat Hawthorne. It's going to be you got to have a good team, and then you got to have a superstar that plays out of his skin. But then Cyril will just lift and whatever. Exactly, because they've got He'll one just that does it. Rip a couple of goals at his backside, and game over. Yeah, five minutes, game one. Yeah. Oh, I can't wait I for the finals. Guy. I love the finals. I love the finals and I hate the finals because I hate that it's finishing, but I I love it. Yeah, such a bit, bittersweet. Yeah, it's it's just I love it when it, when it's all on the line. Um, and then just as a little bit of of topic news, there was a a post on the AFL uh, subreddit um, looking at the players' average score of their AFL player ratings for this year. So as you know, the AFL does a player rating system, uh, but it has a number of factors in it that included depreciation of points over time. So very much like your world rankings in golf and tennis. So the last rolling 40 games or something? Something to that extent, yeah. yeah. So not unlike how um, other sports work when they say who you know, what's their world number one, they have that same thing. So you cannot play and, and remain up in the ranks. And so Yeah, because Fife was sitting at the top for a, a long time after and it's still, this year. it's still up there, yeah. yeah. Um, but if we just, this is more looking at something a little bit more different, which is just taking the first 18 rounds and averaging the players' scores. And it's sort of interesting to look at as a, uh, I guess, a little tag to put to our Brownlow discussions that we've been having sort of on and off. So it probably comes as no surprise that the number one ranked player is Patrick Dangerfield. But it takes a little bit more interesting after that. You've got Jack Stephen from St. Kilda sitting in second. You've got Scott Prennelby from Collingwood in third. Josh Kennedy from Sydney in fourth, Matt Gorn from Melbourne, Nick Natanui from West Coast, Robbie Gray from Port Adelaide, Bontepelli from Western Bulldogs, Ward from GWS, and rounding out the top 10, you have Rory Sloan from Adelaide. Now, Natanui's only played 12 games, and Robbie Gray's only played 14, whereas the rest are all 16 or 17. But they're still pretty pretty impressive top 10 there. Two Ruckman was good to see. Again, yeah. we, know that the, we know that if Ruckman are scoring goals and getting possessions... They uh, 
are inflated in their ratings because they're given less, they're sort of assigned less value for those things. Um, but otherwise, it was good to see someone like Josh Kennedy and Jack Stephen both up in that top five. Jack Stephen is surprised to me. He's been, well, I mean, he's a, he's a ball magnet. Um, and he's, he's a bit of a tackle machine as well. Yeah, for sure. I mean, he's still behind Prittis in tackles, but he's, he certainly applies a lot of pressure on the ball, a lot of contested ball one. Um, and Josh Kennedy's been having an amazing year at the Swans. Yeah. When he's on, he's he's on fire. He tore it up last week. Yeah. Um, but I just thought it was an interesting little thing. Little thing. Anyone, any bigger missions you think from that from that top 10? Or um, I don't want to read the whole list out because I'm just, I'm just calling out names of good players. Um, Not too far down the list, you have like the likes of uh, Goldstein, Ablett, Rioli, Franklin, Luke Parker. Uh, interestingly, one of my f- favourites, because he's um, <laughs> on my dream team and doing well, Zach Williams from Greater West Sydney makes the, the top 20 as a defender. Oh, okay. He's a, he's a good contested ball and a good on the rebound um, off half-back, really good um, like percentage conversion, percentage efficiency with the ball. Um, he had a pretty quiet game in the start against Port Adelaide, but he was one of the guys that stepped up in that second half. Is he? He's rated higher than Heath Shaw. He is rated higher than Heath Shaw. Yeah, interesting. There you go. Because you think GWS half back Heath Shaw. Uh, yeah, bit no, of bit um, of a wayward kick, but no, full, sure, no full. Forwards. Except for that one game, the, the one game <laughs> where he, where he had a hundred percent disposal efficiency by foot. He hasn't maintained that. Yeah. I'd, I'd like to see what his other percentages are because I reckon he's probably had a couple of 10s and 20%. Yeah, I would think so as well. No forwards in the list? Um, it's amazing so, how, I think you say this, Ryan, a bit how someone can... Um, so in the top... I don't know, what would you think Buddy and um, and Josh Kennedy would get to this year? Maybe up to, maybe close to 80. 80-odd, someone, yeah. Someone can kick 80 goals and then know any of the top considered. Yeah, so yeah. Lance Franklin came in at 15th. Um, and in 14th was Rioli. Robbie Gray's up there in the top 10, but he's a he's a midfielder. 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 Yeah. So, yeah, so Rioli and Franklin are, are squeezing in that 14 and 15. Even Rioli plays a lot through the midfield. Kennedy Kennedy well. comes... Kennedy doesn't make the really the top 25 at all. Prittis, Prittis from West Coast there. Any other forwards? I think it is surprising to see the guy who's leading the goal count for the league isn't in the best 25 players in the league. Isn't that amazing? Though you would almost not build a team around him, but you would, he like him or Buddy or a, a key forward, would, if you were designing a team, they'd be in your team straight away. Yes. Yeah. Well, look what, it? I mean, Sydney paid a million dollars a year for nine years to get Buddy, didn't they? So yeah. So the other forwards going further down the list, um, uh, Zorko from Brisbane, who's again more of a midfielder. Uh, Tom Lynch from Gold Coast, who is a key forward. Josh Kelly from the Giants, who center forward kind of maybe off the wing but he, he scores goals um dustin martin from richmond tom lynch from dusty's Adelaide not forward, i but. wouldn't say dusty's a forward and then and then rounding out the bottom of this list is uh stringer from the bulldogs the way the ratings work um there's a lot of emphasis put on on what else they do so not just the stats that we see when you look at the stats for a game but they talk about the one percenters the smothers effective disposals, the effective disposals efficiencies yeah you can um, understand why the midfielders me- are getting meters gained versus meters lost so um but like so for for their positions they're they're weighted differently as well so if you're a midfielder a possession is worse left a position sorry possession is worse I'm worth like, less blame that cold a possession is worse less for a midfielder than it is for a defender I still got it wrong. It's hard to say. Yeah. <laughs> so it doesn't put it doesn't. Although there are again overrepresentation of midfielders on this list, 
it's, it's an attempt to balance that. But is how hard is it to... How can you not say that a midfielder is the best player in the league or, or amongst the best players in the league? When, when you sit and watch the game, let's take the Geelong game, for example. Was Hawkins better than Dangerfield because he kicked four goals? No, but that's one game. I know, but I'm just using it as a as a rather poor example. But midfielders get so much more of the ball and have so much more time affecting the game that it can be difficult to to how do you balance that? Yeah, I suppose it's it's hard because it's a team game and like um, one yeah, of you exactly. guys brought up, if Hawkins didn't kick four goals, it would have been down to four points or you know. So hey, if Hawkins had have kicked four behinds. Yeah. It's all, but everyone then, relies on each other. You know, other. it's the same thing. If Paddy Dangerfield doesn't get 10-odd clearances or whatever he gets in 36 disposals, then, then Hawkins is get not getting the ball. Support. And Yeah, yeah it's, so, a, it's a yep. bit of, yeah. Yeah, and if Zach Williams for Grey West Sydney isn't getting the ball, isn't intercept marking and rebounding off the defensive 50, then the midfielders never get that contest. I just still think it's insane that you can kick 100 goals in a season and not win a Brownlow. So Max Gorn on the list. Did, that, did Max Gorn in fifth excite you there, Mike? Fifth on the player ratings. Fifth best player in the league. Tough, big, heavy bloke that he is. Old Maxi Gorn needs to pull his head in. <laughs> um, He's not the one that copped the fine. <laughs> so, I'm not a big fan of this, but Cripsy from West Coast has copped a $1,000 fine for pushing Gorn over. Barely um, even touched him, didn't he? <laughs> well, okay. his side. He brushed past him and Gorn's... Fallen over. Um, I'm not sure what the AFL was thinking. Gorn is 208 centimetres, 111 kilos. He's got 30 kilos on Cripsy, um, coming in at 183 centimetres. So, how the <laughs> Who AFL... Who realistically barely, like, clipped him softly in the side within 15 minutes of so, the ball. So, Cripps is about the same size and weight as me. Gorn is head and shoulders taller and 30 kilos heavier. And I mean, somehow the AFL dishes out a thousand dollar fine for that. What? So pull your head in, Gorn, and the AFL think, for like. I don't know. I don't even. Do you think he flops? words. Do you think he flopped? You can get knocked. You can get knocked down if you hit off balance pretty easily. Doesn't matter really about the weight. His beard probably um, upset his center of gravity. Are you saying that you think he flopped, Mike? Yeah, for sure. And so did Lindsay <laughs> Thomas uh, when I think it was. Uh, Marley Williams pushed him over and Yeah, but Lindsay kick. Thomas is a different story. Right, doesn't need to happen. Okay, Marley Williams didn't need to push him over, but where are we at with the AFL was once upon a time um, starting to find players for taking dives? Yeah, so they should do that. So we've got two clear things there. Okay, Marley Williams didn't need to do it and Cripps didn't need to walk past Gorn. He could have walked around him or something, I don't know. Um, Gorn's He's a big guy, would have taken a while. Why not go, Gorn... You're copping a thousand dollar fine because you're a tool bag for falling over. You look like an idiot, and then get the media to beat it up and make him look like a tool bag and say, "Stamp this out," because that's not what we want to see. Yeah, I, I do agree that we do. I want to see more emphasis made on eliminating um, playing for free kicks and um, and acting. Uh, Jack Darling actually is terrible for it. That's why he doesn't get free kicks now. He shouldn't get free kicks until he pulls his head in. And unless no, he should. A, he should. If he deserves it, he should get them. Unless but. it's a blatant free kick, they don't get paid, and purely because he he dives a lot, yeah, he he throws does. his weight around. He'd be another one that would be pushing ninety odd, coming up close to hundred kilos, I reckon. Oh yeah, um, six three. And somehow he gets flung around like a rag doll. I mean, come on. Yeah, they need. I think that they do need to 
pay a little bit more attention to that and yeah. put some emphasis on it because it's just you don't want to see that in the game. No. I don't want to see that in the game at all. You don't all. want to see arms waving and flying all people, around going on. People already on. complain enough about how much influence the umpires have over the game and all this sort of thing. And when you've got players out there that are making the job even more difficult for the umpires in an already pretty grey area a lot of the time, um, you just need to get rid of that straight away, stamp that out because you can't have games being decided. Not that there has been any this year that I can think of where a player's um, took, taken an intentional dive and won a free kick as a result and won the game. But you certainly would never want to see that. Um, and even throughout the game, changing the momentum of the game as a result of something like that is just terrible. So, Gorn didn't get a free kick for that. But no, he didn't. If he did, it might have changed the result of the game. Mm, of course. It was a close game. Yeah, it's possible. Yeah, one one goal in it. It wasn't. It was in West Coast's uh, forward 50. But Not true. Well, and a 100-meter penalty, maybe. I feel like they lost an opportunity to embarrass him without finding him $1,000 as well because all they had to do was ask him to shave his beard off. For $1,000. Crickets. Terrible. It's a great beard, though. It is pretty good. <laughs> All righty. Um, um, what do you reckon of Bartels? I reckon he needs this, like, just tidied up a bit, his beard. I like it. He's doing his for um, What's his domestic heritage? violence, is he, isn't it? Is he yeah, something like that. But he, I don't shaving know, it at the end of the year, I think. just give it a What's tidy What's his up? ethnic heritage, do you know? No, not sure. It's a good beard. I like it. Oh, he's doing a good it's job of it. thick. It is more than thick. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like Imagine you, I feel like you lose off. a hand in it. <laughs> Do you reckon he's gone you to one of those a, hair regrowth clinics for his beard? A, you need an edge trimmer. <laughs> he accidentally just rubbed a, a full bottle of Rogaine into it. <laughs> and then this is his life now. He's stuck with it. That's I what reckon, I need. I reckon he doesn't like the cold, eh? Because not only does he wear the long sleeves, but he's got the face rug on. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't blame him, though. Down in Geelong would be freezing down there. I like how everyone in Adelaide goes over with the short sleeves and everyone in Geelong is wearing the long sleeves. It's the home ground advantage, man. <laughs> we know it gets cold at night. <laughs> it's like playing in the West. It's always warm. Well, some teams have the rules where you're not allowed to wear long sleeves. Um, it used to be um, like Daniel Wells would wear the long sleeves and North have a rule, no long sleeves, so he doesn't wear the long sleeves anymore. Oh, club imposed. Yep. So yeah, all the players get together, no long sleeves, not happening. Huh. Feel so like they're making Bart- fashion statements. I feel now. like Bartel makes the rules, though. I reckon with a beard like that, sure. he yeah. could just do whatever the hell he wants. <laughs> <laughs> they, could, they could ask him not to wear them. <laughs> <laughs> he's, probably just, he's probably got arm hair to compensate anyway. Oh, of course. Um, so we're going to do things a little bit more out of order this week because there's a couple of exciting milestones coming up. So, Mikey, take us away with the Mikey's Magic Milestones, the, the Triple M segment. Well, get this into you because this... What a week of football This is like up. a perfect storm of football. I don't even know where to start. So, first up, we will just probably jump straight into our mate, Jimmy. Um, big big friend of the show, Jimmy. Yep. Racking up 300, which is a massive effort, but it's, it's still not even... Um, Still not even anywhere close to what we'll get on to. But Jimmy, what, a couple of premierships? Brownlow. Brownlow as well. Um, we then move up the list and we've got Corey and right at 326 games, breaking the record from, um, uh, where are we? Ian Nankervis for uh, Geelong. And that's stood since 1983. Then what, we move. What a game at Simmons Stadium that's going to be. That's against Friday the, night. Against the Bulldogs on Friday night. That is night. just going to be 
out of this world. That's the one where they said they've got capacity for, for 35, but they'll sell 45 tickets or something. Like, I don't know. People's going to be standing. Oh, people will be sitting on the roof and stuff. <laughs> they'll be on the oval. They'll be yeah. on the oval but like between the boundary the, line oh, and yes. courtside. Yeah. That'd be cool if they could do that. Why don't they do courtside tickets? Be, That'd be they, amazing. The, like, you see like the full field. forwards ask cameramen to like, move for their run-up? Like, yeah. You can't just put like a row of people there. Yeah, sure. Go for it. <laughs> and people like Nick Rerold will cry about it if people touch him. Um, stab at Nick Rioll for no reason. <laughs> no reason. <laughs> did you guys not see what he did? No. Oh, oh. A spectator touched him on the weekend. Oh, he okay. had to <laughs> I thought that was for no reason. Okay. No, so that's a legitimate... Still, still funny. <laughs> yeah, good job. Someone tapped him on the arm and he had a big sad. Oh, I didn't see that. I thought it was a that. grand final flashback. Right, yeah, a, that's what I was thinking as well. Had a standard, I thought it was a collarbone breaking thing. Or had, whatever the, he did. Um, had the standard Nick Rewalt cracker sad. So. Um, we spoke a little bit about him before. We have Matthew Pavlich... Um, the big three fifty, which is again, especially for a West Australian player to rack up a three fifty. They've sort of rested him a lot this year. Um, you would say the travelling takes a toll, but for a West Australian based player to rack up three hundred at least, and then now onto three fifty is just out of this world. Um, so we wish him all the best. But I'm going to put this down to second place. We've got. Brent Harvey. Well, Brent Harvey's second place. He is second place. I found a bigger stat, wow. guys. I found a bigger <laughs> stat. Um, Brent Harvey, this is something that I don't think we'll ever see again. Um, and it's amazing that it's happening in our lifetime. He's breaking Michael Tuck's 426-game record that stood since 1991 um, and will become the game's record holder, um, basically in AFL, VFL history, which is out of this world. How long is he going to go for? He'll play next year and rack up uh, four fifty. Yep. Yeah. So I before we move on to your number one, and and we we won't forget that there's the number one. I wonder will we see people do this? You know, like I I I've, my mentality over the last couple of years has changed behind AFL moving towards a young man's game because of the need for for speed and rotations. And I've I think we've gone through a revelation of sports science and list managing and just seeing what Hawthorne can do and what Harvey can do that. There is a there is space in AFL for the aging player. There is, but they're also going to start later now as well. The AFL's talking about not pushing the draft age to nineteen. Um, so you're going to have you're going to be cutting out a few few years as well. I'm, I'm sure when Harvey started, I don't actually know how old he was when he started, but back then they would be in the AFL. Thirty eight. Like, he would have been eighteen. Yeah. So um, he's playing for twenty. He would have been younger than eighteen. So, so I think they were getting years. in at seventeen. I know we're a ponder for. Uh, West Coast was in the AFL at 17. Here are uh, the, 16. Oh, 16, 16 sorry. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah. pretty much one of the youngest players. So he's, yeah. 30, he's 38 now. Yep. So this is, a, this is a, again, another user on Reddit has posted a um, comparison between the number of games played and the Brent Harvey age equivalency. Who's the user? Give him a shout out. Uh, okay, I will. It is Smiley Mick. And it's not our Mick. It's a different Mick. Different Mick. <laughs> um, so if we look at, um, just from the top down, having a look, he's got... We've got Brad Ebert, who's played 185 games. He's only 26. So at, for the same, Brett Harvey was 27. So he's sort of within striking distance. Um, Brennan Goddard, 286, and he's only 31. So another seven years, and, and he'd be he'd be in striking. <laughs> That's crazy striking, to think, right? isn't it? I just can't even imagine another Brennan Goddard years. around for another seven years. Yeah, uh, Pavlich, of course, uh, retiring. Um, Joel Selwood, 221 games, only 28. 
So another 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 ten years up his sleeve. These guys are all equivalent ages to what Brett Harvey was for those milestones. Um, Nick Del Santo, three hundred and sixteen games, only thirty two. Yeah, but I, I say Nicky only thirty two, but he's not going to go around anymore. Anyway, so the, and so the list goes on um, much much the same. Uh, I like to go all the way down to this one just for just twenty four. Gaff has racked up one hundred and twenty six and holds his club record for the most number of consecutive games. So if he puts on another fourteen years, he's actually on pace to smash Brent Harvey's record. Oh yeah, just another fourteen years of football. Yeah, why not? <laughs> it's a and big I, ask. I think for someone like Gaff, he takes a bit more of a hit now. But someone like Gaff, I can see it happening because being a bit more of an outside running player. And he is very resilient as well, um, as you mentioned, like with consecutive games. So you probably could see someone like um, Gaff going on. But I think in you'll get more clubs as well doing what um, Geelong have done as well. And unless you're performing or you're part of the, the next part of the team, like clubs will still start to put the broom through the place and yep. clean out a bit of... Um, the Stevie J's. Yeah. Um, they'll probably go and play another season here and there as they have... Um, we see this year, but I can't see. When you look down the list of um, players, you've got Brent Harvey at the top, um, of course. Michael Tuck, Kevin Bartlett, Fletcher, who will be back. Will he be back next year? Possibly. Possibly. Um, yeah, that's interesting. Got Robert Harvey, Simon Madden, Craig Bradley. So, I mean, these guys are like, these guys retired like, Besides Fletcher, yeah, like, years ago, so I just can't see no, it being the same anymore. Okay, in essence, like, technology will get better, of course. But in essence, I agree with you, and I, I guess I always have agreed. That has been my historical stance. So I just, I just wonder, looking at teams like Hawthorne and looking at some of the aging players that are the the cornerstones of teams, and really showing and stepping up this year, whether or not we are into an era where we might see it being a possibility that the older players, because you compare football to cricket, cricket. It's about how many games you've played. It's about how many balls you've faced. The older you get, the better you get. You can't play test cricket as an 18-year-old because you're just not good enough. Yeah, yeah a little bit different. Yeah, a bit different. It is a bit different. But, you know, like we... Obviously, it's a bigger bigger competition, if you'd like, for, for, for volume of players nationally um, that gets bulk screen time. But we, we bring in 18-year-olds not to help us win games, but to develop them so that when they're 25, they're superstars. When they're yeah, 28, they're Joel Selwood. You know, they, they've got 10 years to grow into the best footballer they can be. But now you've got the Sammy Mitchells of the world saying, hey, I'm 32 and I've still got the best years ahead of me. I'm 32 and I can still win a Brownlow. Bring it on. I'll show you that I can do it. Yeah, even Sammy Mitchell's getting better with age, isn't he? It's just so is, amazing. So I think the old 30 and done... It's not necessarily the way with footy oh, anymore. Definitely, I think you're going to see that the average age um, shift up. Age shift up just with sports science. Mm. That's, and that's it is a sports science. But yeah. Anyway, so sorry to take away. Just, I thought it was interesting to talk about Brett Harvey and, and what a what a staggering number. So not everybody loves him, but he's he's done what no one else has. Pretty much. So what's number one? Well, I'm not what getting to number one. That? I'm not getting number one. Well, there's a one point five. We mentioned it before the show that. Should Jimmy Bartell bob up and nail three, um, he'll get the 300-game, 200-goals double. Oh, the crowd will go crazy. So I reckon play him, I reckon drop... Um, Hawkins. Hawkins. One play, out, key forward, yep. clear out the forward 50. Yep, give him space. And, <laughs> just Jimmy. And pretty much just give him three goals. You reckon they're going to give him a few over the top, like just absolutely gift him some? Why I don't not? think he needs it. I if they he know the three stat, on his own back. If they know what he's up to, he had for a sure. Bl- he had a blinder this weekend just gone. Absolute blinder. 
Hope you can play like that again. Anyway, so um, so guys, I'm so excited for this. I don't even know what it is, and I'm so excited. Will our mate Jetta get a gig this weekend against Collingwood? Let's hope so. He deserves it. Oh yeah, I think he will. I think there's a couple of outs. I think he's. I think he's looking like getting a run. If he gets a run, right? I can't see this happening. He needs one possession to to run past two thousand or to rack up two thousand disposals. Wow. So I mean, big number these one. are big numbers. Uh, mate, Lewis Jetter is is racking up. So I mean, Do he you, only needs one kick. Here's the big question: If he, can he, if get he gets a game, kick? can he get a disposal? <laughs> so the big <laughs> the thing will be question. not will he get a game, but can he can he get a kick? Um, possibly. I don't know. I suppose we'll reckon, find out. Do you reckon That's they'll give him possessions a, in his lifetime? Do you reckon they'll give him a yeah. Bartel treatment and clear out the Ford Fifty and get him a kick? <laughs> Won't help. <laughs> Kick the ball to him, surely. <laughs> well, we we'd hope so. Yeah, there'd be fireworks. There'd be fireworks. There'll be celebrations after. They'll carry him off. Um, that's all I've got, guys. Uh, well, thanks for that. So, looking forward to the round that will be, um, and just maybe casting our mind on a few tips. So, I have done the tip update, but I'm gonna keep you all in suspense because it's way more exciting. Um. But let's just say it's close. Very close. Good. Really? Yes. <laughs> Is that convincing? <laughs> you see through my lie already. <laughs> I was going to say because I'm having a terrible... Especially after last round. It was uh, not very good at all. The Cats and Bulldogs at Skill Stadium. The What could be a triple Mikey Milestone header. There's no way Geelong lose that game. So Geelong for me as well. I think the AFL will rig it and Geelong will win. It'll just be they'll they'll rig the match or something. So Geelong win, simple as that. Easy, they'll pick twenty two people out of the crowd to come <laughs> up. <laughs> on wearing bulldogs jumpers. Yeah. Well, that's it's about where they're at on the list, isn't it? Almost. Um, on Saturday, closing out the day, we have Kangaroos and St Kilda at Etihad. An important game for both teams. A more important game for that's an important game for both teams. Yeah, I got. Uh, I think in my actual tipping, I I went Kangas, and I'll stick with it. Brent Harvey in a milestone. We're sticking with the milestone games here. Yeah, I'm going Kangas as well, and they got an extra day break um, and the big um, milestone, so I think that'll get them over the line. Man, they're going to lift so hard for that game. They really will. I mean, he's a he's a club legend. Everyone there is going to love him. You're going to see Lindsay Thomas kick a bag. It's Again, gonna, it's back gonna, to back. It's going to be the most exciting game of football for Mike in history. I think um, they will take a leaf out of Drew Petrie's book and similar to what he did last week, tackle, 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 and we'll just smash St. Kilda. So, so far, all picking the same. And then on Sunday, we have a boring day of football. Yep. <laughs> I mean, no offense to Fremantle, Suns, or Essendon, but, but when you guys are playing, you know, top eight teams, it's boring. Yep. Um, I just don't know what to say. Melbourne and Suns at the G should be pretty straightforward. Can the Dockers lift for for Pavlich and no. and play a phenomenal game at home against Sydney? No. Yep. You're gonna tip Freo? Nope. But I reckon it'll be competitive. <laughs> yeah, it'll be competitive in in patches. And then, really, we should be tipping the line in the Adelaide Essendon game at Adelaide Oval. So, do you want to tip the hundred point line? No. Let's tip <laughs> instead of the the win. Let's tip how many goals Pav kicks in his three fiftieth. One. One? I'm yeah. going to go... 
He kicks three goals, five. Oh. Fuck, that's terrible. You don't want to kick three. Oh, I get it. <laughs> no, nah, no, nah, he doesn't. He, I, reckon, I reckon he kicks three goals. I was going to say, if he, gets, three, damn if he kicks three from I'll eight go shots, <laughs> that's terrible. So we got one, two, and three. Yeah, I'll go two. All right. All right, one, two, and three. All right, we'll do that. Um, can Adelaide beat Essendon by 100 points? They'll want to. Who cares? They'll want to. It's important for their percentage. They're essentially playing online. I think that that's the mentality you'd have to take into that game. You'd have to go in there saying we're 100 points down, let's win this, boys, because this is this is percentage and this is the percentage game for them and it's at home. They have to go out there and absolutely smash them. Yeah, they will. They will. Um, although Essendon are paying $17. Worth a cheeky... Not worth putting tenner. a dollar. Uh, Adelaide Definitely a- worth a cheeky tenner. Adelaide paying a dollar oh one, so put your house on it, and you might walk away with a cheeky tenner. Yeah, you pretty much would. <laughs> it's not great. Not great odds. Almost guaranteed. Almost guaranteed. I mean, stranger things have happened, but I'd be um, I'd be, I'd be betting my house on that one. I wouldn't be betting my house on that one. I would be betting my house. Look, I'm torn. There's betting for you. All right, and that about wraps us up for today. <laughs> So you took us away last time, Mike, and it was a little disappointing. So what about you take us away, Ryan? Uh, I don't have anything as exciting to say. But what I will say is I'm pretty sure you missed Lee Spurs 100th. Nope, didn't Please miss cut. Oh, didn't? End of show. Oh, <laughs> never mind. Cue the exit music. <laughs> See, See you next week, everyone. <laughs>